This is the Chamber Chat Podcast, the show dedicated to chamber professionals to spark ideas and to get actionable tips and strategies to better serve your members and community. Hello, Chamber Champions. Welcome to Chamber Chat Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Burton, and it's my goal here on the podcast to introduce you to people and ideas to better help you serve your chamber members and your community. Our title sponsor is Holman Brothers Membership Sales Solutions. Let's hear from Tony Felker, President and CEO of the Frisco Chamber, to learn how the Holman Brothers have provided value for him. One of the key benefits that we've realized from Holman Brothers actually happened many years after we started using them. We just completed our new strategic plan and understanding those subtle differences between transactional benefits and transformational benefits, the companies that use what they expect has been a key part in our strategic plan. And we really want to thank Holman Brothers for that. You can learn more about Holman Brothers membership sales solutions by visiting holmanbros.com. Our guest for this episode is Kate Bates. Kate serves as president and CEO of the Arlington Chamber of Commerce in Virginia. Kate was appointed to this role in June of 2014 after an extensive national search. Kate began her tenure with the chamber in 2007, serving in areas of increasing responsibility. Under her leadership, the chamber increased their business advocacy efforts with notable state and local successes as well as growing significantly in membership. Prior to joining the chamber, she worked for Women in Government, a national nonpartisan association of women state legislators. Kate serves as chair of the Virginia Chamber of Commerce Executives. She also serves on the Arlington Economic Development Commission, the Arlington Alexandria Workforce Investment Council, the Leadership Center for Excellence Board of Directors, and participates actively in a number of additional regional organizations. Kate was a 2014 recipient of the Outstanding Young Virginian Award from the Virginia JCs and was an inaugural honoree for the Leadership Center for Excellence, 40 Under 40. In 2017, she was named a Washington Business Journal, 40 Under 40 honoree. In 2019, she was recognized by ACCE as a 40 Under 40 honoree for significant contributions to her community as well as the chamber industry. Kate is a graduate from the George Washington University with a BA in political science and international affairs, as well as the U.S. Chamber of Commerce Foundation's IOM program. She is also a graduate of Leadership Arlington and Leadership Greater Washington. Originally from small town Illinois, Kate and her husband Ronnie have made Arlington their home. Kate, I'm excited to have you with us today on Chamber Chat Podcast. I'd love for you to take a moment to say hello to all the Chamber Champions that are out there listening and then share something interesting about yourself so we can get to know you a little better. Thanks, Brandon. And it's great to be here with you. Again, love connecting with the chamber industry and other chamber professionals. I think that's one of the things that's so great about our industry that you often see the surprise from people coming from other industries when they enter the chamber world is that we are one of the most supportive industries that everyone wants to share best practices and lift each other up. Um, It's really not a competitive industry. You know, if somebody's coming from another chamber area, they have a great experience. That's only going to increase everything for our industry. 
industry. So really happy to be here with you this morning. Uh, the fun fact question is always a tough one, uh, but taking something that wasn't in my bio that you read, um, I am a diehard Washington Capitals fan. Despite being from Illinois, uh, both my husband and I have fully adopted the Caps as our team uh, to the point where uh, several years before the Caps won their Stanley Cup, our wedding cake was actually made to look like the arena and had a tiny little Stanley Cup as our cake topper. Wow, that is you you guys are all in. Yeah, that is awesome. <laughs> yeah, no, I the the comments you made about the industry and being very supportive of each other. I was kind of surprised when I started the podcast about 4 years ago that there wasn't a podcast out there already to share best practices and tips amongst other chamber professionals because it is, you know, so reciprocal, you know, amongst other colleagues. So thank you for for pointing that out and and sharing that that fun fact about you. Um, I'd love for you to take a moment to share with us a little bit about the Arlington Chamber. Just give us an idea of perspective, you know, size, staff, budget, um, scope of work, things like that, just to kind of set the table for our discussion. Absolutely. So the Arlington Chamber of Commerce is about 750 members, and our members really ranged in size from small startups all the way up to large corporations like Amazon, Boeing, and Nestle, and really everything in between. So it's really reflective of the business community here in Arlington. For anyone who doesn't know, Arlington, Virginia is located right outside Washington, D.C., to the point where if you land at DCA Airport, actually everything surrounding you is Arlington. I think they give the airport a D.C. address, uh, but literally, as soon as you step one foot in any direction off the airport, you are right in Arlington. So, you know, best known for the semi Cemetery, probably, uh, but there's so much else going on in Arlington. It's really a great place that has you know, sort of a lot of those amenities that you get from being in an urban area, but has a lot of the benefits of you know that placemaking that comes with other communities that are a little bit more in the small town space. Um, our chamber budget for 2023 is about 1.3 million. Uh, we have a full-time staff of seven, including myself, and three part-time members of our staff as well. Great. So yeah, this is kind of a unique, uh, your chamber is in a unique situation where a lot of the listeners have probably been to Arlington as they come visit the nation's capital, um, where a lot of the, the chamber people that I interview are from all over the country and, you know, maybe a you know, small town Idaho or something, maybe you haven't been to, but a lot of people have been, been through Arlington. So, um, so that definitely helps to, to set the perspective for our conversation today. And I kind of alluded to it as I went through your bio, but um, you've had an impact with advocacy there at the Arlington Chamber and directly seeing an increase in membership tied back to the advocacy efforts that you guys are making. So we'll be focusing our conversation today around increasing membership through advocacy. And we'll dive into that a little bit deeper as soon as we get back from this quick break. Are you looking for a year-round, affordable, and timely shop local campaign for your chamber or CVB? Look no further. Build a custom Eat Shop Play mobile app with App My Community by visiting appmycommunity.com slash chamberchat. App My Community mobile apps are not just simple membership directory listings. They provide many more capabilities to engage with your community. Provide your residents with a robust events calendar, Partner with a local fair, festival, or farmer's market to provide a schedule, map, and other resources to promote the event. Run a small business Saturday campaign any time of the year using built-in scavenger hunts. Allow your membership to communicate directly to their customers via push notifications. 
your App My Community mobile app will be a unique member benefit, allow you to generate non-dues revenue with sponsorship opportunities, and best of all, provide a valuable resource to your community. Please visit appmycommunity.com slash chamberchat now to receive 10% off your first year of an App My Community mobile app. Chambers of Commerce have been around for over 400 years promoting communities all over the world, but today so much is found digitally that Chamber Nation believes it's critical that there is a custodian of local digital information. They believe the Chamber is in a perfect position to be that organization. Chamber Nation provides an amazing membership management system you use to manage the Chamber and the community. They also deliver a complete membership development system that they manage for you to be sure your membership community is fully documented for search and much more. Essentially, Chamber Nation delivers an entire membership support department, which is perfect for those chambers with a limited budget that needs to do more. With Chamber Nation, not only do you have a membership management system, but also a membership development system all in one terrific package. So save money and be impressed by visiting richardscalendar.com to set up a demo with their CEO or learn more at chambernation.com. When you really think about it, is it realistic to expect your membership rep to deliver consistent results without consistent coaching? Much like an elite athlete, your membership rep must be aligned and performing at their best, which doesn't happen automatically. Holman Brothers Next Level Coaching Program supplies the indispensable training, guidance, and support your membership rep needs to keep their performance in high gear. Visit holmanbros.com slash next level to learn more and request a free trial of Next Level Coaching. All right, Kate, we're back. Tell us kind of the origin, I guess, as you started there at the Arlington Chamber and kind of really boosted up the advocacy efforts. What did that look like? And at what point was the membership growth intentionally tied to it? Or how did you see that correlation and lean heavier into that? Great. So I'll pick things up actually when I became CEO in 2014. Again, I'd been at the chamber for about seven years prior to that. um, But moving into the CEO role obviously presented some opportunities for me to be the one with the vision for the organization. So actually in the interview process, I presented a new staff org chart and it had two new full-time roles. uh, And the idea was to get there within five years. And we did. uh, Very proud of that. Uh, But the first was a membership engagement role. So we had one membership person and no matter how great that person was. Um, as the chamber pros on the call know, you know, it can be very hard if you're in charge of everything recruitment and retention, you end up focusing on recruiting new members and then also calling members when their dues are late. So that doesn't leave a lot of time for taking care of your existing members unless they're reaching out to you. So I knew that that was the role I wanted to add first chronologically. Uh, but equally important on this org chart I presented was a government affairs manager position that, you know, I had some of that background from, you know, my education and my previous role prior to joining the chamber staff, but really saw that as the area, you know, where our chamber could grow and really be more relevant moving forward. We were in a great position when I came in as CEO in 2014, you know, very strong organization, the good culture, a good foundation, financials in order, I respected it in the community, uh, but I saw that opportunity for us to really lean into our mission more and really have that impact for our chamber members and our 
our greater community as well. Um, so I knew that it was important. I did, you know, however, kind of deliberately start with the engagement to get some more of the revenue to ultimately be able to add this role, uh, which we were able to add in the fall of 2018. Uh, but really, you know, both in between that time before we had the full government affairs professional and even after, you know, it took a little bit for it to get going. But now we're at the point where, you know, our government affairs person, while not a salesperson at all, is absolutely instrumental to membership retention and can be a really big asset for our membership team in terms of membership recruitment as well. So how does that work strategically when you say they're so in, you know, impactful with membership, although they're not salesperson? So mm-hmm. do you have it timed somehow as they reach out to certain businesses as membership comes up or just because of the touch points along the way throughout the year? What is that interaction looking like to show the value that comes through the advocacy to those members to retain and, and to bring on new members? Sure. I'm gonna, so I'm going to bring that up a level first and talk a little bit more big picture, and then we can sort of sure. dive into tactics a little bit more. So in terms of the advocacy broadly, you know, what we do falls into two bucket areas. You know, we do policy positions, and then we do member support. So policy positions are positions that the chamber takes, you know, on behalf of the business community. There's, of course, a process that we go through to adopt those. You know, we did have a government affairs committee already in 2014. Uh, We grew that committee and we added actually more meetings. It now meets twice a month. So that group was working on that. And then policy positions are ultimately adopted by the board of directors. Again, as chamber staff, you know, we, we help them through this process, but they are the ones who are actually formally adopting the positions. So the value of those from a membership standpoint is, you know, it's an opportunity for businesses to have a seat at the table on issues that they care about. So some chambers have their policy committees uh, application only or restricted. We do it a little bit differently where ours are open to any member who wants to attend. So even if, you know, if you have a company, if three people from your team care about an issue, they can come that day. Um, And that is done. So, you know, if we're talking about childcare regulations within the county, Perhaps HR professionals will come to that meeting. If we're talking about, you know, zoning in light industrial areas, we might get a different group of members, but we want whoever shows up to be the people who are impacted by those issues as well to make really good policy positions. But that also serves the benefit of having our policy work be beneficial to an even wider range of members. So we're doing that broad work, but then we also do what we call member support. And that's where we do the individual work and advocacy on behalf of businesses who are having issues typically at the local level. Uh, Virginia is what's known as a Dillon rule state. So that means that any authority not given to the municipalities stays with the Commonwealth. So we probably do about 20%-ish of our work at the General Assembly level, but really the bulk of it is at the local level. And Arlington's a county, not a city, with no cities within it. So you might hear me refer to the county board. Uh, for other folks, that might be their city council or you know similar bodies there. Uh, but that member support can look like anything from you know a business is having issues getting a signage process, getting their sign put up on their building, and they're getting buried in county red tape. And we're able to reach out and make those connections for them and help them get their problem solved or at very least get it expedited and get it to the right people. Um, and what we, we often talk about is if you can solve one of those individual issues like that, you'll often have a member for life. Absolutely. So yeah, that, I think that really helps to, to break it down into what those two buckets look like. Um, 
so let's circle back with the on the policy side mm-hmm. with the the committee meetings that you have there. So is, you said that's open to any members who want to come. Mm-hmm. Are you just broadcasting that through email, or you've got your your regular set dates twice a month and just an open invitation? And how do you uh, moderate <laughs> how that goes? <laughs> Absolutely. So we they are open to all members. We do members can opt to sign up for the distribution list. So then you get the full information on a week out of who the speaker is going to be. It is a set date and time, so you can mark your calendars with them. Uh, we do also, for the bigger and more popular topics, we will also include an article about it in our regular e-newsletter. So if you're a member who isn't already on that distribution list and you're interested in attending, there is a way to do that. Um, so early on when we really beefed up our advocacy program, we separated them out and we would usually have one that was more speaker-focused and one that was more working session-focused. Um, we've shifted and really most of them meetings at this point, other than where we're drafting our annual positions, um, do all have a speaker. So often, you know, we set the agenda with our government affairs leadership, our two committee chairs, and then we have a representative on our executive committee, who's our vice chair for business advocacy. Um, And our staff will work with them. And we set the agenda for the year. We always leave blanks because there's always things that come up and we want to have those spaces. Uh, But for example, we always start In January, we already had our first meeting with the county board chair. So the county board chair comes and gives, you know, probably about a 15 to 20 minute talk about, you know, what's going on for the year, especially what pertains to business. And then we open it up and do a moderated Q&A. So this committee actually used to be in person pre-COVID, went virtual during the pandemic. It was actually our first meeting to go virtual. We pulled that off quite quickly. And then we've actually kept other than, you know, a few special meetings, often our work sessions are better in person. uh, But we've kept the bulk of those meetings virtually uh, because we found that really that moderation is even easier to do on the Zoom than it is in person. We also have some members who, you know, the commutes in these areas can be a little tough. Uh, There can be some bad traffic around and we've got not all of our members live or even work in Arlington. So having the Zoom really makes it more accessible for people as well. I love that you you pointed that out, that it is being done over Zoom, because that was going to be a question is as it's open to any chamber member, how do you have a a room big enough to accommodate anybody Mm -hmm. that wanted to come, especially some of those hot topics come up? So glad to see that you're still utilizing Zoom and, and being effective with it and not just having the Zoom burnout, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the networking, again, we we listened to our members and it was very, very clear that the networking events, you know, we, we made it work virtually when we had to, yeah. uh, when things were really <laughs> shut down, but, you know, people want to physically be together for the networking, uh, but for some more of the, the meetings tend to work well virtually for us. So those policy meetings, are they being operated by a chamber staff? Are you running that? Or is it a somebody from the government affairs that runs that? How does that how does that work? So a mix between the two. So each of our chamber committees has a staff liaison. Um, so again, prior to us, ha- that is our government affairs manager now. Prior to us having a government affairs professional, I was doing that. You know, So I was the primary staff liaison and then ultimately tapped one of our other team members to help with just some of the administrative when we we're in person, the sign-in sheet and that sort of thing. Uh, but we do have a staff member for it um, who's often opening and doing more of the logistics of things. Uh, and then we also do have our co-chairs who are kind of more of the public public face for a lot of these things. So they're the ones who are giving the welcome. We're introducing the speaker um, with support from our staff. Awesome. So maybe shifting gears a little bit then over to the the membership support side. So I assume your government affairs 
position that you you hired for is engaging with the members to find out what their needs are there. What what is that? How does those how do those interactions work as far as engaging with the members? Is it reaching out to them? Is it waiting? You know, are there enough people coming to you with issues? Is it what how does that direction work? Great question. So that's really where the integration with the rest of the team and the membership team in particular comes into play. So, you know, we always put, you know, information, all of our newsletters we, we have, you know, in our print newsletter, which we still do occasionally, you know, now we're down to quarterly on that. And when we do the advocacy section, we add information that if you're having any you know, policy issues, please reach out to our government affairs manager, John Muso, and his contact information. So we do have some of those static things. And, you know, we do when we onboard our new members, we make sure that they know about John as a resource, uh, but really a lot of the specific ones. So some of the members who've been around for a while will know or who read, you know, their newsletters will reach out, but often, you know, it's our membership team and we have two full-time and now one part-time membership uh, professionals as well, that when they're talking with our members and just their regular interactions, if they hear anything, then they make the connection there to our government affairs manager. So that's how a lot of that happens. I could see where there may be some bleed over with different mm-hmm. positions with among chamber staff where, you know, not everybody is a membership person, but at the same time, if somebody wants, you know, inquires about membership, you're not going to say, well, I can't tell you anything, right? You're going to, you're going to help them where you can and then make that transition. So is there specific training that you do for different staff or is it just kind of learning on the job and just kind of learning the different vernacular and and what those important topics are to address the members? Yeah, I mean, we're all in the membership business. You know, anybody who's in the right. chamber business is in the membership business, we like to say. Um, in terms of, you know, training for membership and government affairs, sort of working together there, um, a lot of it. So whenever we onboard any new full-time team member, a big important part of that onboarding process is they meet with each other team member or sometimes by department. So we'll, you know, meet with the membership team together and talk about how they work together and what that looks like. Uh, we'll often also have, you know, especially for the government affairs role, them just sort of sit in on a membership meeting once or twice. Uh, We also have all new staff members go to our chamber 101 so that they hear how we're messaging membership to new and prospective members. Uh, But a lot of that integration too with the selling, you know, so our government affairs manager, you know, if he's looking through a county board agenda, and that's a kind of a pro tip for any of the chamber professionals, if anybody is trying to figure out, you know, they're not sure where to engage, look at your local government agenda and just start reviewing them and see what topics are applicable to businesses. So there may be broad topics coming up or there may be individual businesses that have business going before your government body. So when that happens, you know, our government affairs manager will, if it's a member, reach out to them if he hasn't heard from them already and ask them, you know, how are things going? Is there anything we can do to support you in this? You know, if they're hearing that they're having some problems or they're not sure how the vote's going to do, that's where we would engage more. Um, If it's a prospective member, if they've got a bigger item coming before our county board, then that's when, you know, our government affairs manager and our senior director of membership will talk together. Uh, they actually have regular meetings together and figure out a strategy, you know, who it makes sense to reach out to the prospective member and offer support from there. So as you have these two advocacy buckets, do you see it pretty well split 50-50 as far as getting feedback from members and where the value, where they perceive the value to be, I guess, because I I see the value there being very pretty equal, but the perceived value, I guess, from members, 
does it seem to be pretty evenly split or do you see one way or the other having more perceived value and impact on your membership? So that's hard to say. Again, there's certainly more of the policy position work and that will impact more members, but the member support will impact a business more deeply, if that makes sense. So if you're one of those individual businesses, that's where you will never forget. You know, I mean, I was at a, just out to dinner with my husband on Friday night at a local restaurant and the owner came by and was talking about some of the challenges he's having and some of the new ones that he had just brought to our government affairs manager's attention the day before, uh, but was talking about some of the other work and really talking about how he saves so much by not having to call his attorney for every single question about the county because he has us as this resource. And, you know, that is a member that I would be shocked if that renewal ever doesn't come in for us uh, just because he has felt that value so strongly of chamber membership. Uh, But the policy position work is also incredibly important because, again, you know, for larger businesses, it gives them a place to engage. And for the smaller businesses, they don't have the capacity to have somebody looking at all of these things on their behalf. Um, And a lot of it can be playing defense as well. You know, there's a lot of other, you know, advocacy groups. Uh, We have a very active community, which is a wonderful thing. There's something known as the Arlington Way, where really anything that's going to happen has to go through a big process with lots of community input. And if nobody is watching those things from a business perspective, a lot of things can happen with unintended consequences for a business. Um, so especially, you know, for you know those reasons, really the policy positions are broadly, probably I'm using air quotes that our yeah. listeners can't see, but more important. But again, the member support is more impactful to those who are directly impacted. Right. And I know sometimes the the policy stuff is a little harder to communicate the value to members. Like once they see something really happen and some real traction happens and they're like, oh, we're so grateful our chamber is doing this. But a lot of the work kind of happens behind the scenes in a lot of cases, maybe not with the, the large companies and things like that that are able to engage in a different level. But um, I can definitely see, you know, where, where each has a place. I guess the basis of that question is where I was thinking maybe for the smaller chamber out there, Mm -hmm. one or two staff, but they want to get involved more in advocacy, like where should they start? (laughs) Mm -hmm. So some of it depends on what their starting point is. I mean, at minimum, setting up a government affairs committee is a good place to start. And maybe your committee doesn't have to meet you know, twice a month or even once a month, maybe it could be quarterly, that could be a great starting point for people. And really that convening power, you know, one, two of the things we haven't talked about so far are convening and access, you know, even if it's not your chamber doing the advocacy work, providing the space to connect your businesses with the elected officials is hugely valuable. And making your chamber that central place where businesses can come to and connect with the elected officials and equally important with the county staff. So, or city staff or whatever your configuration right. is within your local government. Uh, but, you know, both the people who are the official leaders, but then there's also often the, you know, the people who really get things done uh, within the county or city government uh, for businesses that might be a specific role, uh, but it might not be. It might be somebody in a role that you might not think, but you realize that any issue you're bringing forward, they're the one solving, you know, and providing that access to your members is a huge benefit that doesn't have to be a huge lift. Absolutely. So, and I love the the pro tip that you gave of looking at the, your, your county or your government board agendas to see what those hot topics are that are coming up to be able to stay engaged with what matters to the businesses in your community. Um, as we start looking to, to wrap up here, I wanted to see if you have any other 
tips or action items for listeners that maybe they want to take their chamber up to the next level. Maybe they want to get more engaged with advocacy. What, what would you suggest for a, a tip for them? So I love the one takeaway idea. And whenever I give presentations, I always ask people at the end to try to take one thing, especially when we've thrown a lot of information at them. Uh, For this topic, it's really hard to make it one takeaway that works for every chamber, not knowing where everyone's starting point is. So if you're newer to this space, I would offer, you know, monitoring what your local government is doing and looking at those agendas for items that impact business and pick one to weigh in on. You don't have to start if you're brand new to this and feel like you need to make an impact on every single thing, just pick one there. Another option would be hosting a session with your membership, could be virtual or in person, with a local official or a top staff person. Again, it doesn't need to be too much work on that agenda if you're just asking them to come in, talk about what's relevant to businesses, and then give a forum for your members to have that back and forth interaction with them. If you've been in this space for a while, at action items could range from finding a new way to communicate your work, whether that's an advocacy-specific communication or newsletter, or maybe doing a better job of integrating your advocacy work and wins into your regular newsletters and communications. It could also be doing some relationship maintenance with your local elected officials or local government staff. And if your team is big enough that you do have a separate person or people handling government affairs and membership, an action item could be to encourage them to meet and see how they can work together more and how that government affairs person can support the membership efforts. I I hope everybody had a pen and paper ready to just write it, or you could back up on the podcast, (laughs) you know, 30 seconds, 60 seconds and and write those down again, because those are some great tips. Um, I also, being a fan of podcasting for chambers that do have a podcast, I think being able to share your advocacy efforts through your podcast, having a little advocacy moment or segment in each episode, I think would be very helpful just to help spread the work that you're doing. And because a lot of that is behind the scenes and they don't really know that you're doing it unless you say something about it. Um, so Kate, I, I like asking everyone that I have on the show about how do you see the future of chambers and their purpose going forward? So I love that question. And we're an interesting reflection point right now for our chamber, because next year we actually turn 100 years old. Wow. Uh, <laughs> so I was recently asked a similar question about as our chamber hits the 100 year anniversary, what do I think that you know our founders would think about how things look now? And I think the two questions really connect together. Uh, so you know, I think the why remains constant, but the how of what we do obviously looks quite different than anyone could have envisioned 100 years ago. And really looking forward at our industry more broadly, as long as the chambers focus on the needs of our members and how to evolve to suit those, there will absolutely be an essential place for chambers. I think that the pandemic really showcased how vital chambers can be to the businesses within their community. Uh, We were, again, a little short on time, so didn't even dive into this because there's so many different facets. But really a subset of the advocacy is being that resource for information for your members. And chambers really shone so brightly in this area during the pandemic as new regulations were coming out and small businesses didn't have the resources to keep up on their own. You know, we repurposed our government affairs professional who was still advocating, but also to discern that information and distill it in a way that could be understood by the businesses so that they knew everything that what they could and couldn't do and where to go for all the information as well. Um, so that's an example of the evolving. But, you know, I think absolutely there's a place, a strong place for chambers as long as we continue to look to our members and see how they're adapting and make the adaptations to help 
them moving forward. Absolutely. Man, when you gave that response of, you know, that, that question you were asked about, you know, a hundred years looking back, you're kind of reflective of your chamber. I think a hundred years ago, 1923, you know, or you know, 1924. Kind of, so we get our, we get our yeah, anniversary. Next year. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So, but the world has changed a ton, you know, in, in those 99 to hundred years. And uh, even looking forward, like we have no idea what it's going to look like a hundred years from now. And, but you know, if we can go one day at a time, one year at a time, maybe five years and look into the future and, and see what's important to your members, see what's important to your community, to business, keep them strong and thriving. That's what we're all about. So thank you for that, for that perspective there. I want to give you an opportunity to share any contact information for you as well. Like you mentioned, we were a little bit short on time as we're going through this. We could have talked for probably an hour and a half, I, I bet, on, on advocacy. But if anyone wanted to reach out and connect with you and learn more about how you guys are doing things there in Arlington, what would be the best way for someone to reach out and connect? So I can be reached by email at president at arlingtonchamber.org, or I'm also on LinkedIn as well and can be found there, Kate Bates. All right. And I will have those in our show notes for this episode as well. Um, so if anybody's not familiar, you can just hit your little notes, uh, show notes on your, your podcast player, and then it'll have a, a link to actually the, a page on my website that has the full show notes and transcription. So we'll have it there. But Kate, thank you for joining us today on Chamber Chat Podcast. Thank you provided a lot of value and perspective and would encourage anyone listening to reach out and connect with Kate to, to learn more about advocacy and how that can help impact your membership as well. Okay, thank you very much. Thank you so much, Brandon. It's really been a pleasure. If you are a Chamber professional, please subscribe to Chamber Chat Podcast in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. When you subscribe to Chamber Chat Podcast, new episodes will show up in your podcast app each week as they are released. If you're finding value in this podcast, please leave us a rating and a review in iTunes. But most importantly, please share Chamber Chat Podcast with your colleagues that are in the industry. Have you ever thought about creating a podcast for your chamber? We always hear about how chambers need to be storytellers. What better way is there to tell the stories of your members and the work of your chamber than through a podcast? Your audience is waiting to hear from you as a convener of leaders and influencers, champion for business, and catalyst for change within your community. I just launched a Chamber Podcast course with the goal to get your very own podcast started within 30 days. Visit chamberchatpodcast.com pivot to learn more and to enroll in the Chamber Podcast course today.